I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who, descend, he who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fit all things, fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, for from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, making the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let's pray. God, we have received so much from you. We ask for your help and your guidance that everything we receive from you would be combined in such a way that we would grow and expand and that our fruit would touch those who are in need of healing and that life would be brought to this world of death. God, that your grace would be poured upon tree of life and that if it so falls in your favor, you would bless us immensely to see salvation and to see communities changed through the saints you have here in the giftings that you've given them. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So today, one year ago, two things happened. First, and most importantly, I proposed to Brittany, then named Stanley, to be my wife, she said yes, and we then went off, we had this nice romantic evening, and then we went off and saw a symphony. We saw Tchaikovsky's Fifth, and we saw a dynamical symphony he wrote, and we also saw Chopin's Piano Concerto Number no. 2. It was probably one of my favorite concerts ever seen. Uh, that was so much fun. The orchestra, the symphony, it was just... And if you never heard Tchaikovsky, he has amazing energy in his music. He just, like, floors you. Especially live. It was awesome. Um, so that was event number one. Event number two, I don't know if it was this day, but sometime a year ago, it was in January, I know, we had a message 
in which we unveiled for the first time a name or an identity for this gathering of saints. You guys remember what that was? Tree of life. Good job. <laughs> yeah, we unveiled the fact that we, we see ourselves as a tree of life, and that's the mission that we want to live by. Um, in short, tree of life exists to cultivate an unshakable love for Jesus that's rooted in scriptures. And we look at the tree as a perfect emblem for what we ought to be. The tree of life, first of all, in the Bible is the access point to eternal life. In the Garden of Eden, the tree of life gave life to man. In Revelation, we see that at the end of time, when the new heaven and new earth come, then there's going to be the tree of life there. And it says in Revelation 22, verse 2, that the leaves of this tree are for the healing of the nations. So there's life at the ends of the Bible, and in the middle, when there's all this death happening in between these trees, Jesus is crucified on a tree to become for us the tree of life through whom all nations can receive healing and life and reach the new heaven and new earth. And so that's one reason why we're tree of life. The second reason we're tree of life is because, like trees, we need cultivating. <laughs> we need good soil, we need water, we need sunshine. There's, there's certain conditions and elements that a tree needs to be healthy, to grow with its leaves and its fruits, so that people are blessed and benefited by it. So that it grows up to more than a shrub, and so that the birds of the air can come and launch and nest themselves in it. And so we use sermon and scripture on a weekly basis to cultivate ourselves. This is the word of God coming as, as water to water us and to uh, help us to grow up into maturity and into a cultivated tree. And then the third reason that we are tree of life is, as I said before, Revelation 22 verse 2. I want us to become that tree where a world of death can find healing from our leaves. In our presence, in our community, at our Bible studies, meeting you wherever you are at Hot Shots or at the village, when we run into people, part of this community, that they receive healing, they, they have a taste of life. And so we're to be that tree extending branches to all that are looking for shelter, for restoration, for healing, for home. Now, tonight, we're going through Ephesians still, and I decided since we're on that one-year birth of Tree of Life, one-year-old, but we've been here for like seven years, so, you know. Um, I want to, through this passage that Brittany read for us, cast the vision for Tree of Life in 2013. All right, the Tree of Life is introduced for 2012. I, I think we've been um, to that extent. I see us flourishing and growing individually and as a community, and that there has been healing and restoration. And in 2013, I want to add to this and keep on moving and keep on going forward. And in short, what I want Tree of Life to look like in 2013 is I want us to look like this passage in Ephesians, chapter 4, 1 through 16, which in short is this. I hope that Tree of Life in 2013 grows to the maturity as displayed in the passage read before us. In this passage, Paul talks about maturity. That's what we want, to grow in maturity. And I am going to explain for you guys what all of that means. 
But real quick, we're in this series presently called... That was not for effect. That was response time. Identity. <laughs> Thank you, JC. Always can count on you. And in short, what an identity is, is it, it's the definition of who you are and what you do. And we've been through chapters 1 through 3 now. JC finished that up for us last week. And we've seen a lot of who we are. There's a lot of this in Christ language. And, and a lot of his describing of what it means to be in Christ. And I'll touch on that in just a minute. But now tonight we come in verse 1. The first word we see after the word I is therefore. And what happens when we come to chapter 4 is we come to this pivot point. We've been looking at who we are. We're this people who are united within Christ. And now we come to this point where it says, Therefore, because of who you are, let's get on now to the other part of your identity. This is what you're to do. In light of who you are in Christ, this is what it's to look like to live as a community of (laughs) in-Christers. So that's what he's going to start to do from chapter 4 to the end of the book. This is what your identity looks like when you put feet under it. It's nice to have it in the head, but let's put the identity to the feet, to the hands, and let's start to live the identity out. Now, there's great need um, for what Paul introduces here at the beginning. So what's the first thing he says about what we should do? What is our identity? He says this, your identity needs to grow in maturity. Maturity is very important as verse 15 shows us, that's actually verse 14, he says, so that you may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. You see this picture of the immature Christian? He's a child and he doesn't even know who he is. He doesn't understand his identity. It hasn't matured. And so he's easily blown back and forth by the wind and pushed back and forth by the waves. An immature Christian is a ship without a rudder and without sails. That's a bad situation for a ship. In the midst of winds and seas. No rudder, no sails. There's no direction and there's nothing to help propel you. You're just tossed to and fro. That's immaturity. And Paul is calling us now. Okay, you know something about your identity. Now let's start to, with that, move into the direction of maturity. There's great need for it. We need a rudder to our ship. You know your ship now. (laughs) You need a rudder and you need sails. It's time to start moving and progressing and growing Maturity. So, tree of life then, what we need in 2013 is to not, and I'm not saying you guys are all a bunch of immature people. But there's always this need for more maturity. And some of us are younger in the faith. Some of us are new believers. Some of us just don't have our... I don't know what to call it, Jesus act together. I know that sounds really weird, um, but whatever you're thinking, you're just like, I'm not quite like some of these people. Hey, as a community, we're moving on into maturity so that we can grow the garden and expand it so there's more leaves and more fruit to bring healing and life to this world of death. That's the goal. That's why maturity, as we expand, as we grow and mature, there's more life and healing for the people that need it. Okay, so... Maturity requires two opposite qualities to happen. 
And this is where we get into our text. Two opposite qualities. It's called one, unity. Maturity needs unity. The second is, here's the opposite quality, diversity. Maturity needs diversity. And unity and diversity have to, even though they seem at odds with each other, have to work together or there is no maturity. Now, individualism grabs at diversity but rejects unity. Says, I'm my own person, you're your own person, we're all different, that's cool, and let's not like get along, let's just be different, be ourselves. It's individualism. It's using only one, not the other. All diversity, no unity. On the other end of the extreme, you have communism. Communism is all about unity, but take away the diversity. We're all equal, we're all the same. And that's not quite doing the job either. So, unity and diversity work together... And that's when you have maturity blossoming. That's when you have gospel life happening in a community. Maturity, I'm sorry, uh, unity and diversity. So, maturity seeks after unity through diversity. That's what they do together. Maturity is a unity that is coming through the multiple and differences amongst us all. Somehow with all these individuals and all these differences and all this diversity, there's a coming together and a unity. And when diversity comes together in unity, that is maturity. That's the mark of a mature group, a mature person who can look at differences and diversities and say, well, this isn't a game of individualism. This is a game of getting together. This is a game of orchestra. So, I want to tell the story to get this very clear to us. And I think it will make it very clear for us. So, the orchestra is an illustration of how unity and diversity make maturity. So, there was once this composer who wrote an incredible piece of music. Unlike anything ever heard before. It was beautiful. And the composer brought this music, and he taught it to his orchestra. And when the orchestra played it together and in unity, this music was astounding. But, one of the members in the orchestra decides... I'm pretty good at my instrument. I don't want to follow this music. So while the orchestra is moving through this tremendous piece written by the composer, this individual decides solo time and starts wailing on his violin at his own pace, in his own key, with his own notes. And suddenly the unity and the order turn into disunity and disorder. And, and the once unified beautiful sound, there's this ugly sound in the middle of it. And then the person next to him started to lose his place and started to lose the music of the composer and started to follow this individual. And, and then the next person, and soon before you know it, the entire symphony is out of sync because of this one person. The music can no longer be heard. It's disoriented. It's no longer united. Well, the composer looks at this shameful display of his music and he says, they need a conductor. So I'm going to send a conductor to my orchestra. And through my conductor, 
my music will once again be played as the orchestra follows my conductor. So the conductor goes down, and he begins to lead this disoriented, this disunited, is that a word? Orchestra back to the music of the composer. And he begins to lead them there and shows them how to play it and brings this unity back together. Now, of course, some of the orchestra is thinking, we like doing our own thing. But the conductor is successful to get a number of this orchestra back. And by following the conductor, the composer's music is gradually, through one by one, returning and being played in unity once again. Now, if you guys have any deal of imagination, you're probably following and smelling what I am stepping in. The composer is God. The orchestra is creation. The rebel is Adam and humanity. The conductor is Jesus. And when the conductor comes to lead the rebels back to the music... Some of them don't listen, but some of them do. And the ones that start to follow the conductor and play the composer's music in unity is what we call the church. That's what we are. We are following the conductor, hearing the music from him, and playing the composer's music because we're following the conductor's lead. And we're trying to do it together. We're not individuals playing our own thing. We're trying to together play the king's or the composer's music. And so, this is a picture of what Ephesians has been telling us up to this point. If you remember, in chapter 1, verse 10, Paul has this thing where he says that God is planning in the fullness of time to unite all things in himself, whether in heaven or on earth. All of creation that went into this disunity because of Adam's rebellion, he is working through Christ to bring into a unity. And a part of that unification is that heaven and earth, once dwelling together in Eden, divorced through rebellion, so man now only lives on earth and God lives in heaven, Christ is seeking to bring the two back together. The reunification of all things where heaven and earth once again live together and life conquers and invades death. That's where it's all going. The unification of all things. And what Paul wants us to know is that our identity is that the church is at the forefront of this new creation. This unification of all things. The reuniting of heaven and earth. The new creation. We're the forefront. We're the ones beginning to, at the lead, listen to the composer's music. Following the conductor. And all things are going to follow in the trail. And so at the forefront of this new creation, something must be expected from us as the example of what God's doing at large. This is what it is. So we're looking at unity and diversity, which bring us to maturity. The first part of chapter 4 talks about unity, verses 1 through 6. So this is what Paul says in four one. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord urge you, here's our phrase, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. How are you to walk worthy? Verse 2. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. 
So what Paul calls calling, he says, I want you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. That's his word for what JC and I have been using before. Identity. I want you to walk worthy in accordance with your calling. What calling are you talking about, Paul? The calling you've been talking about. Chapters 1 through 3. We've called identity. He's saying, walk in a manner worthy of that identity. Okay. How do we walk worthy? What does it even mean to walk worthy of this identity? Is something really good? No. Worthy simply means... Um, cultivators on Wednesday nights, you, you might remember this from the Peterson book. He has this wonderful illustration that worthy comes from a Greek word, axios, which is a word that is used to describe a balancing scale. You know what a balancing scale is? you got a crossbar and you got two little buckets and they're supposed to show you things way the same. If it's going like this, then the thing on the left is a lot heavier than the thing on the right, right? It goes like this, you know, the other way. But when they're together, the things weigh the same. That's a balancing scale. That's, that's the word worthy. What Paul's saying is, I want you to walk in a way that is in balance with your calling, your identity. When your living is in balance with your identity, when these come together, that is what we call maturity. So when you're imbalanced, you're not mature. You have this high calling and this low life. Or this high life and this bad understanding of your identity. Whatever. You're not mature. But when they're balanced, you're mature. Now, what is the balance supposed to be? Here's our identity. In the church, God is bringing a new creation, reunifying heaven and earth. We're at the forefront of that. And if the reunification is happening in the church, identity then our lifestyle must balance. So what must be happening with us? Unity. What's he doing in creation? The reunification. So in the church, there must be unity. If we are not united, then we are showing a bad example of what God is doing in the world and through the church, which is unifying everything. So our identity is being reunited. Therefore, we must be united with one another. If we claim to be playing the composer's music, then we must play it together as the composer intended to write it, not doing our own thing. If we do our own thing, we're not playing the composer's music. So you see the balance and the maturity is that as we come together in a unity, we are at the forefront of the new creation because God is bringing all things back together. So our unity must match the unity that he's doing out large in the world. Heaven and earth come back together. So we are living together, uniting ourselves. Now, this is shown here in um, verse 4 through 6. You might notice when Brittany read, there's a lot of ones here. He says there is One body, one spirit, one baptism, one faith, one hope, one Lord. It goes down to seven times. There's one this. That's our unity. We share this unity in these seven ones. Why seven? Because seven is the number of the days of creation. And Paul is saying, hey, to be balanced and to be at the forefront of God's new creation and living in unity, you're a new creation. So so it's time to be united and to show that the new thing is happening here. We're one, 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 seven times. Get it? Creation. So that's what's happening in us. Our unity must be balanced with the unity God's bringing in creation. Heaven and earth being united. And what it looks like when we live this way, guys, is verse 2. Humility, patience, bearing with one another in love, gentleness. That's what a people united 
look like. Contrast that to the humanity that Adam set up. Which you see in the Tower of Babel, the climax of what man was about. What do you see there? Not unity. You see not humility. You see arrogance. Not gentleness. You see aggression. Nimrod was called a mighty hunter before the Lord. And then they're not together. They're divided by the end. That's humanity at its finest on their own. (laughs) But in the new creation God's bringing about, he's calling us to unity because we, as we're together in unity, we are rehearsing in the orchestra the music that the composer is going to perform one day at the end of all things. Heaven and earth are united, reunited, and everything's in harmony once again, unified. That's coming. And we are the preview of that. We're the orchestra rehearsing what's to come. So we are therefore united. That's the calling, that's the balance, that's the maturity. Because God is uniting all things, we must be united as his people. Yeah? Unity. Now diversity. Remember that maturity seeks unity through diversity. So the unity part's like, oh yeah, that's cool, it's great, we're like all together. But remember, unity without diversity is but communism. We're not communists. We have a much different view here through the gospel. So we now look at diversity. Begins in verse 7 through 10. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. That's a play on words because grace and gift are very close in the Greek. So there's this gift given to us through grace. It's just bestowing upon his church to each of us. Verse 8, he quotes Psalm 68, verse 18. Um, and you see that there. It talks about him giving gifts to men. Then verse 9 talks about him ascending, means he also descended to the lower regions. And verse 10, he who descended as one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. So that fill all things may be tying into the whole giving of gifts. He's trying to fill all things by giving his grace and his gifts to all of his creatures. Now, I know there's tons of questions when you read that passage. Like, that, that passage is confusing, is it not? 7 through 10 there? What's up with this whole ascending, descending? And he quotes the Psalm 68 passage about a leading captivity captive and giving gifts. And it doesn't make sense. And then you go look at Psalm 68 verse 18, and it says something a little bit different. Paul changed the words. And you're like, what the heck is he doing? Why is he changing scripture? Is this even legal? What's going on? And then you've got all these questions about, what does it mean he who ascended also descended into the lower parts of the earth? Does that mean he went to hell? Does that refer to when Jesus was incarnated? Or does that just refer to Pentecost when he ascended, then sent the Holy Spirit down, and he was in a sense in the Holy Spirit. What the heck is it saying? Yeah, all those questions you're asking, I know. I'm not going to touch any of that tonight. I don't have the time or space. It's going to clutter our view of unity here. But there's a lot to say on that. And if you're one of those people, you've got to know, why did he change the words? We can talk about it later, so just chill out. But um, maybe JC will hit on that next week, because he's teaching this passage again. Um, And if he doesn't, you all will be disappointed. I'm just kidding. So there's all of that, but the clear point of this section is verse 7, that he gave gifts to men. And what Paul's doing in the rest is he's defending that through a passage in the psalm, and he's talking about the passage, and you can get really cluttered. But just don't get cluttered. His point is, gifts were given. Now, the gifts that are given, Paul doesn't talk about in Ephesians. We know through the rest of the Bible, he talks about it in a lot of other places. There's a lot of gifts that are given. On Wednesdays, we've been talking about 
some of the gifts that some of us have. And um, God's given this diversity amongst the church. Andrew has ability to see things that I cannot see. Nick has the ability to sense the pulse of the group that I cannot sense. JC has this um, charisma that I cannot create. (laughs) Brittany has this compassion that I know I'd be fake if I tried to be like that. And Stephen, we talked about, has this like subtle leadership. He's just like this model. He's not like the charismatically like JC. He's like, everybody follow me. Stephen's so more like, I'm just going to do it. And people follow if they will. And we just talked about this diversity-ness. And there's, you know, there's gifts of teaching and there's gifts of compassion and hospitality. And some of you are into photography and some of you are musicians. Some of you are writers. Some of you are athletic. Some of you are just stupid. And I'm just kidding. <laughs> I want to show you all listening, okay? But here's the idea, is that this diversity and these, these giftings of different talents and abilities and interests is the same thing as an orchestra. That in an orchestra, you have four basic sections of music. Um, you've got the strings, you've got the percussion, you've got the woodwinds, and you've got the brass. And between those four, there's subdivisions in those four. Right, so in the strings, you've got viola, violin, cello, double bass. In the woodwinds, you've got the oboe, you've got the uh, bassoon, you've got the flute, uh, clarinet, there it is. And percussion, you've got the drum thing. There's all these instruments. Not all of them are always used, but they're, they're all there for the composer's use. And that's what the church is. It's, it's as if your gift is your instrument. He's like, Luke... Who's Luke? I don't know. But Luke, you know what it was? Um, I was going to say, you have the flute. And when I looked at somebody, Luke came out because it's kind of like flute. I don't know. Okay. So, Nick, you've got the flute. JC, you've got the cymbals. And Sam's got the violin. And other Sam's got the viola. So they work together. And, you know, you go down and, and we got the guitar back there. And... So those are the gift things that have been given, and where was I going with all this? Diversity. There you go. So, oh, I remember. I was going to tell a story. Um, when we were at the symphony, we we redid our engagement, so we went to another symphony uh, on Thursday, and it was this time Beethoven's violin concerto, and um, the concertos were. Orange County Performing Arts Theater, South Coast Plaza. Yeah, we should all go. So we're watching, we're watching these um, performances, and you know, you've got in a concerto. Basically, what it is, it's a symphony, and one guy gets a lot of solo time. It's like it's a, it's a, it's an orchestra. It's just designed to highlight a certain instrument. And so a violin concerto means the violin is the spotlight and the, the orchestra is playing behind him. And so, you know, he's like, well, the way on the violin, everyone's like, I wish I could be that guy. That's so cool. I want to be a violin in a concerto. That's so cool. And then in another one, Brittany and I are watching, like, we have the back seat, so you're behind the whole orchestra, so you can, like, see their music sheets and see what they're all doing. You can watch the composer, and he's like, you guys think I move my hands? Shut up. Um, <laughs> the... There is this one part where, like, there's just the percussionists and this one work, they're just sitting there, like, for 90% of the song. 
They're sitting there. And then their moment comes. And they're like, get ready. And, and the symbol guy is just watching his notes ever so carefully. He's like, this is what he does. He's like, and he just waits. And, and, and like for 30 seconds. And then it's like, okay, I'm done for another 20 minutes. And it's like, sometimes the rules are not as significant. But together it all makes the music and the unity. Now... The symbolists might think, like, I'm so insignificant. I'm not this violinist up there. But he understands that the crash of the symbol at the right moments brings such a crescendo that if you didn't have it, you're lacking that punch. Yeah, you might not be playing very much, but your moment of glory comes, and it is so important that you're on time and paying attention. Else the orchestra suffers at your absence. And so that's, that's what's going on in the church. And at maturity is seeking unity through these diversities. So it's not that we're going to have a violin club and a percussion cymbal club. That's going to be obnoxious. (laughs) But together and in unity, it brings us harmony. So what we realize is that there's this need for diversity. It's not just a fact like, oh, we're all different. We have to work with it. It's that God knows that we need diversity. Because diversity brings beauty and it brings dimension. You had 50 violins, it would sound cool, but after five minutes, you're like, give me some low tones, please. The squealing's getting old. (laughs) Diversity brings dimension. We need this diversity. And 4 verse 16 touches on this. If you look at 4 verse 16. Uh, From Jesus, the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So he's using the body analogy, I'm using the orchestra. Same idea. When all the parts are working together, this diversity is bringing this maturity. It's bringing this fullness. A body can't be just a bunch of fingers. There has to be diversity. And so it is with the church. Now, of course, diversity brings a challenge. In many ways, it's dangerous. Diversity is threatening to break us up. You're different. You're not the same. You think stupidly. You can't handle the truth. Handle it. good so this is what we need less diversity breaks us apart is we need to understand first of all that we are an orchestra we're community we're unity our different gifts can threaten to break us up if we see ourselves as individuals for all individuals it's my gift versus your gift it's i'm cooler i'm more special because i can do this and you can't do that you're a loser you're lame but as, a, or, as an orchestra and community, we begin to realize that, okay, yeah, there's different levels, but we see the purpose and them all working together. There's no tension. There's now unity. We need to secondly realize that in this diversity, there's a great deal of humility. You did not achieve, because of your greatness, the gift that you have. The composer made the music and gave you the violin or whatever and said, that's your job. Play it. You didn't really have a choice at what you're good at. You're good at what you are because the great God made you who you are. And verse 7 says that it is a gift of grace. It means that you simply received it. So therefore, play your role and boast not that the king chose to give you that role. That's stupid. It was, it was his great purpose and nothing else. He could have given it to Andrew as much as John. Whatever it is. 
And then finally, we also need to, so that diversity doesn't threaten to break us apart. God gave us leaders. The purpose of leaders in the church is to direct the diversity in a direction towards unity. If we're just left to be diverse, sometimes we may not know what to do. We might get perverse or something. But the leaders bring the diversity and channel it into a form of unity. And that's what we see in 4.11. We see that Paul, after talking about gifts, now mentions people. Verse 11, he talks about the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers. Why are these people here, these leader figures? The reason they're there is verse 12. To equip the saints, that's all of you, to equip the orchestra for the work of the ministry. In other words, to lead this orchestra, to play the composer's music. Verse 13, until we all attain the unity of the faith. And become a mature manhood. It goes on, blah, blah. That's the purpose of those leaders, those figures mentioned. Is that people like JC, Brittany, and Brandon are given to places like Tree of Life as a gift of God. Not because we're special and we earn and achieve this and climb some spiritual ladder and put in our application and boom, pastor. God gifted certain people to become leaders of a church. Not because of who they are, but because of his choice. And it's our task to bring all of your diversities Oh yeah, tea tea time. Bring all of these diversities and to direct them in a direction towards unity and maturity. Now, what this tells me is that leaders don't do all the church and all the other people are the audience. And then, marvelous sermon, marvelous you guys aren't the audience it's not like JC, Brittany and I are the orchestra you're the audience, watch us perform that's not an orchestra that's called a piano trio three of us we are the orchestra and within the orchestra God has given those who have a special sense of their music of the music, of the instrument. And it's those individuals who are going to be coming alongside of the entire orchestra and saying, hey, you're a little out of tune there, or this is how the note goes, or next time try bending the wrist a little more and you can get over on that E string or whatever. It's this, it's this assistance and this direction. And so that we're all playing it. That's what it means, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, equipping the musicians to play the composer's music in their life, in their world, wherever they go. So, we're not the performers, you're the audience, we're helping you guys play with us. We're learning the music together in our different roles and functions. So, this is where we close. 2013, Tree of Life, this is what we look like. We're aiming for maturity. By grasping unity through diversity. So our maturity is coming as our unity comes out of our diversity. So God's blessed us with so many different abilities. And we're going to get together and find unity in that. And the leaders are going to come alongside of us and say, this is, hey, this is how you use compassion. This is your moment. Compassion might seem so insignificant, but man, there's a moment when someone loses their grandma. And compassion comes right alongside them at that moment. And like, that's your moment symbol. Clash it. Be there. Be on time. 
And it works together in the king's music. The composer's music is played through this community. And, and those lost and looking for life are hearing the sound thinking, what am I listening to? That sounds like what it was meant to be. And so through our unity, they're seeing the king the king's unity and what he's trying to do in all of creation and they're coming so tree of life I want us to grow into community I want us to grow in maturity I want us to see our our diversities begin to come together and play the composer's music I want to see that we stop being and not saying all of you are doing this but stop being you know just mere observers and start realizing what what do I like to do what am I good at and, and let's start to just begin to employ this and the leaders are there playing right alongside of you and saying, yeah, I'm figuring out what I'm good at too. Because apparently someone told me, never mind, I'm not going to say that. But, you know, sometimes you think you're good at this and then someone tells you you're not. And so then you're like, I don't know, who am I? (laughs) And all right, identity. And so um, we're all just going through this together. And the point is we're coming together and we're keeping our eye on the conductor. I'm not your conductor. Now, sometimes I look like it with all of the things we're doing. But I'm not your conductor. Brittany's not your conductor. JC's not your conductor. We're fellow orchestrists. And we are together reminding ourselves when the music begins to get crazy and, and all these intricate loops are happening and the crescendo's building and we, oh, I'm not ready for this. We're all saying, no, just keep your eye on the conductor. He'll get you right on the note at the right time. He'll keep you in time and in pace. He'll cue your entrance. So let us encourage each other to keep our eye on the conductor and as we do so we're going to grow maturity and as we grow maturity the tree of life garden is going to expand and the leaves will be fuller the fruit will be juicier and that there will be this this world of death looking for this community of life looking for healing looking for shelter and shade birds will be looking for a place to nest themselves the bigger the garden the more the eye see it the more the eye goes there And so I don't just mean, let's make the garden bigger because there's like now 50 of us in here. That's not, I mean, that's cool. That would be great, but that's not the point. The point is that we're expanding our influence of life. We're taking our identity where we go and expanding Tree of Life in that way by going outward. So that you're a Tree of Life member when you're at school, when you're at work, when you're hanging out, wherever you're doing. You're extending that life. You're bringing the leaves that bring healing to the nations. And we will be able to do this. We will be able to mature if we continually remind each other the conductor is showing us how to do this. So let's come together and follow his lead. And our diversity will become a unity. And then we will be a mature tree of life. So Father, that is our prayer for this year. Well, it's my prayer for this year. And I pray I've convinced your people to agree. God, move in our hearts a unity. And Lord, I pray some of us don't know what you've given us to do. I I pray that you would begin to show them what you've gifted them in and open doors for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.